Amen. Hey, we are on page one. How many guys can realize that tonight without any help? Yeah, you're on the ball. You're starting off good. Give yourself a hand clap. Yeah, right on. But we are in a new class. That's right, called World Religions, Cults, and the Occult. You guys want to do some creepy music? Never mind. Let's skip on. Let's move on. How about do 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 Just do a do Okay, that uh, sounds like some turkeys or something. But anyway, world religions, cults, and the occult. Now, believe it or not, this first chapter, it's not like a little teaser. I think it is necessary because we're laying a foundation. And what you can see there are the exciting words. That's right, introduction, right? And we're going to lay down some ground rules, if you will, kind of the premise of the study. And uh, why we even need to go to these kinds of studies as Christians, right? A lot of people say, well, why do I need to understand what the Mormons believe or some other cult uh, believes or the Jehovah's Witnesses and things that, well, it's, you need to understand, right? Because guess who might come knocking at your door one day? People who think that they have the right way, but it's the wrong way. And if all you do is just close the door in your face, I'm sorry, that's an injustice. Who's going to witness to the Jehovah's Witness? right? We need to get equipped, okay? Amongst other reasons, we'll see that tonight. But introduction, it says right there, over the next several weeks, now can we deal with reality? Uh, scratch that out, read, and put these words months or years, or start date 55-7 or something like that, because that's what's probably going to happen. Over the next several months, years, whatever, we're going to be studying the belief and practices of various world religions, cults, and comparing them and contrasting them to biblical Christianity. Why would we want to do that? You compare it to the truth, right? And I'm uh, interested in getting all of us equipped with the truth so that we don't do what happened to me uh, when I first got saved. And I was uh, uh, obviously a young Bible college student. You know my testimony, eight weeks after I got saved, I'm in Bible college. I come from a non-church background, the ex-headbanger, drug addict, sexual moral, male chauvinist, pig guy involved in the occult, okay? And so here I am, I just, I'm, I'm amassing all this information and all this stuff, and not just that Christianity is true, but these other ways are false. And I get that, I've been there, done that, Wish I wouldn't have bought the t-shirt, right? And you get there, and then all of a sudden, I'm espousing all this great information. I remember I was witnessing to somebody, and it was my brother. And he asked me the proverbial question. And what I was telling him was right. It wasn't that my instructors were uh, being dishonest. They were right. But I couldn't back it up. And he just asked the simple proverbial question. He says, okay, that's interesting. Um, but where does it say that in the Bible? Uh... You see, and, and this is what I actually put in a dedication of uh, one of the apologetic books I've done, and it's this. I, it, what I learned, I, I was out in the car after I, that instant, and I prayed to God and I says, God, I don't want to be, this is, this is my term, I don't want to be a copycat Christian, right? I don't want to just copy what my teachers tell me. Not that they're wrong, but I want to know why. I want to know the left, I want to know the right, the bottom, I want to know every angle, this and that, so if anybody comes back at me with any question, I want to know. I want to know. Now, that's the desire that we're going to hopefully uh, get to in this study. I want you guys to know, right? So that we don't get up there and say, no, you're wrong, and just close the door. We need to not just espouse what is right. We need to know why we believe what we believe, okay? Which involves doing some investigation what other people believe. Because, right, you can go up to somebody, like let's say again, uh, somebody who's involved in Hinduism, right? Or Buddhism, or some folks next door. Hey, you guys are wrong. How come? I don't know. You're wrong. Is my pastor sense? That doesn't help. So you got to have some background knowledge. Okay, and that's what we're going to do. So let's take a look at that. Uh, here's the plan. Here's what we're going to cover, Lord willing, over the next 5,320 years. <laughs> Chapter 1, introduction. That's where we're at. How many guys can figure that out? Again, you're on the ball. Right? Number 2, Judaism. What? What's going on with that? A lot of people very, uh, I get phone calls on this one a lot. Uh, a lot of people are confused about the Jewish people. You know, because we Christians, rightly so, would say, hey, 
Don't mess with the Jewish people. God's not done with them. Read the Bible, right? Okay. But then they'll say, well, do the Jewish people need to get saved? Uh, yeah. Just like anybody else, right? But see, there seems to be that blurring of line, the distinction, like somehow they get a free pass. No, you don't. Nobody does. Right? And, uh, but, so we'll talk about that. Judaism, Islam, is that a hot topic? Maybe a little bit there? Hinduism, Buddhism, New Age, right? That's my background, okay? Roman Catholicism, what? What's up with that? What? The Pope's coming over, and why should we be concerned? And, uh, well, that's interesting. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, Seventh-day Adventists. Do you know anybody in the news who has a background in the Seventh-day Adventists? Ben Carson. Ben Carson, I think he's a, a neat guy. I think he's extremely intelligent, and I think he's one of the more exciting candidates, not to get all political, but he's a Seventh-day Adventist. Should that concern anyone? What's, what's, what's up with that? Well, Lord willing, if we get that far, if we make it through the elections, probably first. But anyway, uh, let's take a look. Uh, Christian science, Scientology. Any of Hollywood people do that stuff? What's going on with that? So we'll deal with that. Uh, oneness, Pentecostalism, Freemasonry. Huh? The Good Buddy Club, is that all that is? <laughs> no, no, no. And uh, certainly the occult. Now, I want to just give you also out of the... Uh, uh, the premise so far that I'm going to try to pull off with you is at each uh, certain uh, chapters, like for instance, uh, when we hit Islam, or when you hit Roman Catholicism, Mormon, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witnesses, etc., uh, we'll deal with this uh, each chapter, just like tonight, okay, verbally, and uh, go through it. It might take a few weeks for, for each chapter. But then I want to come back, and I want to give you guys uh, even things that we're not going to be uh, putting on DVD uh, because they can't because of copyright issues. But I want to share some videos with you. And I want to get you armed to the teeth. And I've got some videos in my library, my office, that I want to share with you. And a lot of it is from former Mormons, uh, former Jehovah's Witnesses, former people who's been all the way to the 33rd degree with Freemasonry. And the reason why I like that kind of research and I want to share it with you, even beyond what we study in this workbook, is because that's for the skeptic. Oh, you don't understand. You don't know what we really do. Really? These are the guys who are in your own camp and took it to the nth degree, here's what they're saying, right? You can't just say, I'm just a Christian, and of course I disagree with, no. So that's also the premise, I wanted to explain that to you as well. But the scriptures teach that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one, i.e. Satan. Therefore, the world's false religious philosophies are what? Underline that, Satan's doing. Now, how could you make such a bold blanket statement as that? How could you sit there and say that anything that disagrees with Christianity comes from Satan? Well, what's the Bible say about Satan? He's not just a murderer, and he's been one from the beginning, but he's a liar, and he's the father of all lies. So ultimately, something that veers from the truth, what is the truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. Nobody comes to the Father but him. Christianity is, I didn't say it, Jesus did, right? So anything that veers from the truth scripturally has to ultimately, at some point, have some sort of demonic influence. Right? That's what the scripture teaches. That's what he's saying. It, it's Satan's doing. Right? You know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just give you a little teaser. Like, uh, where, where did Mormonism start? Joseph Smith, as we will see in great detail, Lord willing. Right? He was uh, having this experience, and some angel, Moroni, right, came up to him and gave him all this supposed better knowledge than what we got in the New Testament. You know, it's a new revelation. Right? Uh, really, uh, I don't think that's, first of all, an angel from God. Because if it's an angel from God, angels uh, are holy like God. They don't lie, and it teaches lies, so you know that's not from God. That's, that might have been an angel, right? But it's called a demon. There's two categories, you know. Plus, if you look at the background of Joseph Smith, you see that he was involved in the occult. 
He was a Freemasonist. In fact, many of the secret handshakes and all the things that only you're supposed to know if you go into the high priesthood as Mormons, he ripped them off from Freemasonry. Right? He did uh, blood sacrifices, animal sacrifices. He was a gold digger. He was trying to get rich. It's the Mormon church. I don't even, I don't even like using that word. Uh, uh, are they really concerned about money? 30%. If you don't give them 30%, uh, they're going to call in your W-2s. You want to go into the priesthood? We need to talk. It's why, and so when you understand the background, when you understand the root, when you understand the founder, oh, it starts to make sense. That same kind of spirit uh, continues on today. But as Satan's doing, Satan's servants are false teachers that disguise themselves as teachers of the truth and doers of righteousness. And that the whole world lies in the power. Hey, turn to somebody and say, hey, we made it to a blank. We got one blank. The whole world lies under the power. Is your first blank there? The power of the evil one. Okay, 1 John 5, 19. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. So what does that tell you? That means, and notice the context is in the church. Okay, and so that's telling you that there is a category of people who look like they're a Christian. They look very studious. They may have went to a seminary, but they're fake. Does that happen today? Folks, it's been happening. Again, we'll see probably more next week, Lord willing. It's been happening since the early church. False teachers abound. The enemy immediately began to try to flood the church to confuse the truth, okay, to lead people astray. Because the cat's out of the bag. Jesus rose from the dead. Amen? There's a way to get to heaven through him by God's grace and mercy, okay? And he's evil. And so there's fake people that are going around, okay? And again, I'm not just talking sitting in a pew, these are people that might very well be behind the pulpit. If you remember our final countdown studies, I shared actual testimonies of pastors behind the pulpit. They may have went to a seminary. They may have went to college. They may have been, quote, ordained and had hands laid on them, but they freely admitted they're lying to their congregations. They don't even believe in God. This happens all the time. But again, as we're going to see, nothing new under the sun, man. Satan, all he does, he doesn't have to be super intelligent, although he is, Okay as a fallen demon, okay, as a demon, fallen angel, okay, but all he does is take the same lie, repackage it, and for the next generation who doesn't do their history or their homework, and they fall for it again. He just puts different clothes onto it. All right, the power of the evil one, false prophets, uh, apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as a what? An angel of light. Have you ever tried to witness to somebody and they are so locked onto their experience, they just will not listen to you. You'll sit there and say, well, what are you, what are you, what are you talking about? That's not what it says in the Bible. Where'd you get that from? Right? And, and what do they say? Well, you don't understand, man. That was an angel of God. I was, I was crying. I had these alligator tears, right? I had goosebumps on top of my goosebumps. It had to be. It didn't have to be. Satan disguises himself as what? Which means he doesn't always show up like I've unfortunately been there and done that with my background with actual demons with actual fear and terror that you can't even describe with actual it's, that's real but he doesn't always show up that way sometimes you show up doesn't mean it's from God what is your acid test how do you know if it's from God this is what we're going to see tonight it's the Bible this is why every time right when you know you should read your Bible all of a sudden ring a ling a ling a ling phone rings Right? Or all of a sudden you sit there and, uh, um, you know what? I, I haven't cleaned out the fridge in a while. 
I think I need to do that. That thought enters your head, right? Or, you know, just, he doesn't want you in there because the Bible is the only book on the planet that exposes the lies that are in this world. And so if you don't get in there and get in studying the Bible, you're going to be duped. That's what he wants. He not only wants to flood the church and this world with fake, phony, false paths, okay, even trying to appear as Christian, but he wants to keep you away from this. And that two-bang punch, unfortunately, is working too well. Uh, he masquerades himself as an angel of light. Therefore, it's not surprising his servants, his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. Okay? The scriptures also declare that in the church age, 1 John 2.18, 1 Peter 1.20, Hebrews 1.2, and 9.26, people who profess, now there's the word there, profess. If you profess, does that mean you possess? No, not at all. You profess to follow Jesus will turn away from the truth and follow doctrines of demons. Now, we've talked about this many times before. 1 John 2.18, right? Uh, and uh, through 20 there. What's it talk about? The reason why they went out from us is they what? As they don't belong to us, right? If they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, but they're going to show that they never belong to us. So that doesn't mean, because you've heard the stories, we've talked about this before, right? These people profess to follow Jesus, and all of a sudden they get hit some hard time or whatever, or all of a sudden they say, well, no, I decided to become a Mormon, or I'm now I'm a Jehovah's Witness, or now I'm an atheist, right? Well, they lost their salvation. No. What's the Bible say? You never had in the first time. The reason, and you showed your true colors by eventually going into to that. Okay, but they profess to follow Jesus They're in the last days. Tell me if this is not today. will turn away from the truth and follow doctrines of who? Now, how could you follow a doctrine of demon unless you don't stick to the Bible? This is what, and, and so as we see, okay, in the last days, we've talked about this before, again, the final countdown study. In the last days, you're going to see the church, the trend in the church is the context there. You're going to see that people are going to gather around themselves teachers who will tickle their ears. Not only that, it says they're going to turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths. Tickle your ears is kinetho. It means only pleasant things. Myth is muthos, and it means stories made up. So stir it all together. How do you know you're living in the last days? The church, not the world, the church is going to gather around themselves. They will only hire. They will only promote. They will only want these teachers who will tell them pleasant things and make up stories. I just described about 95% of the American church, which means you're not getting the Bible, or you're only getting part of it, just the happy stuff, right? And, and so guess what? Even though you're sitting there thinking you're becoming a student of the word, you're not. The trend in the church in the last days is you're being forced to be a baby. You guys remember that uh, cartoon character, Baby Huey? The big duck? <laughs> right? The big, big guy? Right, he's a big old dude, right? He's like a farmer duck or something. Like I grew up in Kansas, right? I'm big guys. But what was his problem? He wore diapers, right? And that's what happens. You know, some Christians, I say by choice. Sometimes it's not by choice. Sometimes they are sitting there because that's what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to go on Sundays. I'm supposed to go on Wednesdays. I'm supposed to sit there. And you're thinking you're getting good in food, but you're not. You're getting a bunch of fluff. And so you've been doing this for 15 years, and you're still spiritually in diapers, that's what's happening to the church today, okay? And you're not getting the meat of the word, okay? But you're also being set up to fall for a lie. 
The scriptures also declare that in the church age, that's what's going to happen, doctrines of demons. But the Spirit uh, explicitly says, in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith. Does that mean they lost? No. Okay. Uh, from their salvation? No. Paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Anybody starting to see a pattern? What's going to heat up? It's been happening since uh, uh, the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2, the enemy trying to cloud the issue with false teachings, false teachers, certainly on up and through the early church. Okay. But has anybody seen a trend uh, in the, according to the Bible that in the last days you were going to see something really ramp up? It's called false teaching, called demonic teachings, deceitful spirits, workers of iniquity, falsehood, false teachers. Folks, that's all over the place today, which is a sign. Guess what? We're living in the last days. Let's continue on. The scriptures also proclaim that we should test, uh-oh, test, why would we want to do that? Make sure you're right. I don't know about you, but I don't want to get something wrong. Right? You need to test. And what do you test it against? The Bible. Okay? Want to test, okay, uh, what people say to ensure that it is from God or Satan. How do you know it's from God? Always 100% true. Why? Because God is holy, which means without sin. Right? God doesn't do anything wrong. Okay? He doesn't do anything wrong. You may not like what he does, but he doesn't do anything wrong. And if you're his child, what's he say? Listen, you may not understand what I'm doing, but I work all things together for good. He's good. God doesn't lie. But Satan's the father of all lies. So again, that's your test. This is what you test against. Take God's word, and you take whatever's coming out of somebody's mouth or teaching or whatever, and if it doesn't jive up, guess what? Chuck that. But people aren't doing that today. And we'll get to that. Uh, also in a second as well. But the scriptures teach you should test, ensure that it's from God or Satan. Whatever is presented as truth must be compared to the scriptures to see that it's true. Now, this is the problem, because I want to answer in our introduction, how in the world does the enemy do this, right? How in the world, and why did the Bible say that the whole world is under the power of the evil one? How does he get that lock onto the minds of the people? What's the scripture also say? That the little g, God, Satan of this world, blinds the minds of the people so they don't believe how does he do that how does he blind them well again he gets everybody away from the one source of truth the bible so i want to break it down for you okay we've talked about some of this before in our discipleship studies but let's take a look at what's uh, going on here first one there is the catholics okay you ever tried to witness uh, to somebody from roman catholicism it's like trying to witness to a cat on a tin roof or something with all due respect because you, you sit there and you say, well, this is, because we're thinking, you know, Protestant, you deal with the Bible, the Bible's the sole source of truth, okay? And then you say, well, the Bible says this, and all of a sudden they start dancing around, hopping around, right? And they say, well, because they have more than one source of truth. This is why there's so much false teaching, falsehood, and false teachers in the world today is because it has to do with a person's source of truth truth okay it's the same thing with the catholic now the catholic would say oh yeah our source of truth is the bible but it doesn't stop there this is where it gets very challenging it's also they believe that is on same par as the scripture is the rulings of the pope also not just that they also believe it's also the church councils that they have and they get together and they decide what is true Right? Then it's also add another one, a fourth one, and that is the early uh, uh, church fathers, at least the, the Catholic ones there, and they say that. So is it any wonder that you're going to end up with some false teachings coming out of these, this entity here when you have 
three-fourths of your source of truth is from man, fallible man, okay? That's why you got so much air that's going on there, because three-fourths of the time, you're listening to something that's a faulty source. Why is it that you would say that Mary was without sin? It's called the Immaculate Conception. Again, we're going to do a whole chapter on this issue. A lot of people, you say, well, the Immaculate Conception, that's talking about uh, the virgin birth. No, it's not. That's a whole different thing. They teach what's called the Immaculate Conception that Mary had no sin. What? What's the Bible say? All have sinned. Does that include Mary? According to God, absolutely. Luke chapter 1, Mary was excited that her Savior had come. Mary, that's her own words recorded for us. Why would she need a Savior if she had no sin? What? Where would you get that? Because three-fourths of your source of truth does not come from the Bible. And that's where you start to go downhill. Okay, why do you have a pope? Who is the pope? According to them, it's the vicar of Christ, which means in place of Christ, right? Was, whoa, wait a second. This guy's in place, he's like earth spokesperson in place of Jesus. Whoa, where do you get that? Another abuse of the scripture. Okay, why do they think that when you actually take communion, it turns into the literal body and the literal blood of Jesus Christ? When Jesus clearly says in the scripture, do this in remembrance of me. It's symbolic. How do you get, and why would you teach? Because you have more than one source of truth. And people get led downhill into a falsehood, right? So that's one way. Another one is what I call the charismatic community. I'm not against, I'm not anti-charismatic guy. I'm not saying that they're they're not saved or anything. I would never say that, okay? Uh, But there's some uh, hyper-charismatic things that are out there. Again, because here's the problem. In the charismatic community, they say the Bible. Yay! The problem is you don't stay there, okay? Your second source of truth is this, is your experience, or better translated into this phrase, God told me. Anybody hear that phrase? That's one of the most scariest phrases ever. Uh, Do you know what the Bible says in Deuteronomy 18? How do you know a prophet's real? Somebody proclaims, professes to speak in the name of the Lord. How do you know that that prophet is real? If it's from God, it is correct 100% of the time. Why? Because God doesn't lie. In fact, these guys who do this should be very thankful we're not under the old covenant anymore. Because the old covenant says if any of these guys ever get anything wrong and they said this came from God, Stone them. And back in that day, that meant you throw rocks at them until they went to sleep. And you have to say that because of all these states now that are passing all this crazy laws, right? But you're done. You are done, right? Now, praise God, we don't live under the old covenant and we're not saying, let's go stone somebody, let's go kill them because of that. Okay, and I'm not saying that. Okay, we're under the new covenant, praise God. But you know what you should do? Kick them out of the church. Why? Because how dare you sit there and say, God told me. And it didn't come to pass. And you know what's sad? Even the world knows better. Even the world knows better that those guys on TV, year after year after year, making their supposed prophecies from God, God told me, God gave me this, God did this, and by the way, if you want some secret knowledge, give me some cash. These guys are ripping people off. The world smells it a mile away. And the problem is the church not only doesn't do anything by and large, the church doesn't do what you're supposed to do and kick them out. And they know it. They know it's not true. And then it makes the rest of us look like a bunch of goobers. Let me give you some examples. I am 
flabbergasted. I can't believe these guys are still out there. Okay, and the first one, by example, is Benny Hinn. All right? Okay. Benny Hinn, uh, obviously, you know, we know here, we've taught before, is not only a false teacher ripping people off of cash in the last days, uh, but he has made several false uh, predictions. And again, I'm not making this rule up. What does the scripture say? If somebody professes to speak a word in the name of the Lord and it doesn't come to pass, what do you do? And you're serious about that old covenant, aren't you? <laughs> no, okay, that's not right. I'm not saying that, and that might have went on tape, so be careful. I don't want to get an email. Right. Now you're supposed to kick him out, right? That's it. Listen to you, shut you down. Because God doesn't lie. Listen to this. And these are actual recorded transcripts. You can't say it's pull, pulled off of joshmo.com. This is what said. Benny Hinn says, quote, The Lord also tells me to tell you, i.e. Gug, I get a word, that in the mid-90s, about 94, 95, no later than that, God will destroy the homosexual community from America. He will not destroy it with what many minds have thought it to be. It will start with fire. Did that happen? At that point, as soon as he did that, and as soon as 1996 came to pass, January 1st, what should the church have done? Kicked him out. They didn't do it. And he's still going today. Still raking in millions. And the world knows this. They could see through it's. That's the tip of the iceberg. He said, quote, the spirit tells me that Fidel Castro will die in the 90s. Did that happen? Right? Okay. He also said, quote, a prophetess has sent a word to my wife, and she said, quote, tell your husband that Jesus is going to physically appear in his meetings, and he may very well come back with footage of Jesus on the platform. Wait a second. If Jesus came back, the scripture says the next time Jesus is coming back, there is the rapture, but he doesn't come back to the earth. We meet him in the clouds. Big difference. But the scripture says there is only a second coming of Jesus, and that happens at the end of the seven-year tribulation. And you said he's going to show up at your meetings? What? He said this, then he went on and said it happened. He says, quote, you know, the Lord appeared in Romania recently. Now notice it's in some place we can't check. He says, I, now, now hear this, I'm prophesying this. Jesus, the Son of God, is about to appear physically in some churches and some meanings and to many uh, of his people for one reason, for one reason, to tell you he's about to show up. <laughs> Let me get this straight. You said it. He's going to show up to tell you he's about to show up. <laughs> what? Right? Okay, anyway. So, so put all this together according to the word of God. I'm not making this up. You're being judgment. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with the Bible. So I don't get under the sway of the power of the evil one. So I don't fall prey to the false apostles, false deceitful teachers in the last days and get led astray. According to the word of God, put this together. You said, Benny Hinn, God told you to tell us that the homosexual community would be destroyed by fire in the mid-1990s, and that didn't happen. That Fidel Castro would die in the 90s, that didn't happen. That Jesus appeared physically at your meetings and other places around the world, which is a contradiction of scripture, and caused God a liar. I'm supposed to believe you? Excuse me? According to the word of God, what should the church have done to Benny Hinn a long time ago? Kick him out, chuck it into the trash, gone. He should have went belly up, and he's selling cars right now. And you know what? It wouldn't have just done the church a favor. It would have done the world a favor because they can smell in my way. And you know what they say? I'll, I've, haven't you heard this from people? I'll never, I'll never believe in what you Christians believe because of that jokester or huckster. Right? 
I've had people over the years, they say, well, Pastor Billy, you, you, you shouldn't call out people's names. What's the Bible say? Paul had to deal with some false teachers, didn't he? You know how we know that? Because he called them out by name in the scripture. Hymenaeus, Alexander, Philetus. He called them out by name. In fact, they've been in the scripture for the last 2,000 years. How would you like to have you be known as that? <laughs> Jesus in public. In public called out with choice words, exclamation points, the Pharisees. How, and this, uh, as a shepherd, as a pastor, you're supposed to not just teach the sheep, you're supposed to protect the sheep. But how can the sheep be protected if you dance around the issue? There's this guy, and maybe through some sort of osmosis, I won't tell you, but you're going to figure it out. <laughs> call out the name. If they're teaching heresy, call out the name. Let me give you another one. Pat Robertson. He's got an influence, he's got the show, right? Not saying that everything's bad, but again, I got a problem. Okay? He not only at one time ran for president of the United States. That's okay. Don't, don't have a problem with that, per se. But he falsely prophesied, and this isn't the only example, he falsely prophesied who was going to be the president of the United States. Listen to this transcript. And guess who he's meeting with? Rhymes with Benny Hinn. That's right, Reed. Benny Hinn. Give it up for Reed. <laughs> so he's on Benny Hinn's show. Uh-oh. You know, I'm not saying that everybody's guilty by association uh, in ministry and with Get a Life and going around different places. We're starting to learn that you've got to be careful who you hang out with because you don't want to buy proxy, you know. I mean, there's always secondary issues you can disagree on, but then there's like, at what point do you draw the line and say, I'm sorry, I can't associate. Okay, but by and large, when you start to see somebody going south, pay attention, do, this, do some homework, chase, trace the trail, who they're hanging out with. And invariably, if they don't stick to the Bible, they get led astray. Have you noticed how some people you thought would never budge are budging right and left? Do the homework. Look at who they've been hanging out with. Right? They get led astray. But anyway, so he's on Benny Hinn's show. So Benny Hinn says this. I want to ask you, Pat, about the coming election. This is the actual transcript. Uh, what's your opinion on Obama and Romney? So obviously this was the second term that Obama was shooting for. Uh, he says, what happens if Obama wins? Uh, what happens if Romney wins? And I'm talking about the economy and foreign policy. And Robert says, well, he's not going to have a second term. Uh, Romney's going to win. And, uh, whoa, wait a second. According to the Bible, you say you get a word from God. What should happen right then and there? <laughs> Shut it off. First of all, what are you doing watching Benny Hinn's show in the first place? But second of all, should you, start, should you send any more money to Pat Robertson with all due respect? Shut it off. I can't support that. But it continues on. He says, you believe that? And Robertson said, I absolutely believe that. And Hinn says this, what makes you believe that? Direct quote, because the Lord told me. He says, well, I'm glad you know. I wasn't really sure how you knew. Really? The Lord said that to you? Yeah, absolutely. I told Mitt a long time ago. I called him. I said, listen, I'd been in prayer. And number one, you're going to win the nomination. And number two, you're going to win the general election. And Mitt replied, uh, well, what can I do for you? And Robertson said, give me a seat on the platform. Direct quote. And we wonder why the world laughs at us, scoffs, and mocks, you crazy, wacko Christians. And don't you sometimes want to say, but that's not us. But us have a problem. We pander to false teaching. I'm getting, I don't know if it's called the spirit of bluntness or what. I don't know if that's in the Bible. I don't think so. But over the years, man, I'm telling you what, I'm just getting more blunt with people, right? And they, they talk about it, because we get emails, phone calls for every week. Tom, Tom can verify that. 
And it's, just, it's the same, or letters. And it's the same, I can't find a healthy church. I can't find a healthy church. Or I'm going to this one church, and, and I really don't want to go there, but, you know, I just don't want to drive. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Jesus went all the way to Calgary for you, suffered and died, and you can't drive 25 minutes? Excuse me. I don't care if you've got to drive an hour. And I tell people, and this is where I'm just getting like, hey, listen, you're in the apostasies, give it up. We're in the last days. It's going to get worse. It's probably going to get even worse now. It's very hard to find a healthy church that sticks to the Bible because we're in the last days. Chalk it up. You're in that generation. Just deal with it. But there's good news. There's still uh, healthy churches out there. There are still shepherds who will preach the whole truth of God. It's just not going to come easy anymore, which means you're going to have to drive or move. It's that convenience thing. It's that convenience. What? I tell people, I says, you know these churches that you even admit, you admit yourself, they are apostate or they're fluffy, right? The fluffy church who only preaches just a portion of the Bible, you know, the tickle the ears, right? You know why they're still in business? You know why typically they're the biggest churches in quote town? Because you keep going there and you help them propagate what they're doing. Because if every Christian would say, you know what, I have had it. I can't stand this fluff. I can't support this with my time, treasure, talents, and tongues. They, just like Benny Hinn, would go belly up. But why aren't people doing it? Even though they know better. Convenience. Convenience. And you wonder why the enemy is having a heyday. All right, but let's continue on. So that's the kind of charismatic thing. But then I would say, add this category, kind of Christian, okay? Christian category, if you will. And this is where uh, I notice that Christians will say the Bible, okay, but it's, it, and, and if we could just stay there. And again, I don't want to, I'm just having to come up with the categories. I'm not saying that charismatics aren't Christian necessarily, okay. I just got a problem with, you know, you're going outside the Bible. Okay, but the same thing in even the, quote, Christian camp. And one thing that I've noticed with Christians is they go into what I call trends. Because don't you know that I am nifty with a calculator, don't you know that I graduated with a degree in mathematics at some sort of school establishment? Therefore, I can do what the scripture says you cannot do, and I can predict the date of when Jesus comes back. What's the Bible say? Nobody. Did it say nobody except those who have a mathematical degree and a calculator? Or did it say nobody? Nobody knows the day nor the hour. I didn't say it. God did. But you got people, and this is an easy example, and again, the world sees this. And then that's what makes it really hard to talk about Bible prophecy because I do believe we're in the last days and we do need to get equipped on Bible prophecy and we do need to understand the days that we live in. But you got guys like this, Harold Camping, right? Who, how many times has he predicted the end of the world, the return of Jesus, and it never happens? And he continues on. It just, it blows me away, okay? He predicted September 6, 1994, and then again on May 21st, 2011, and then again on October 21st, 2011, because it may have been a little bit wrong, but he got that wrong as too. So what should happen in 1994, September 7th? I was in Bible college when that happened, and the guy still continued on. Should have dried up, bellied up, shut him off, stopped sending support, but the church didn't do it. Fell for it again twice in one year, just before the Mayan prophecies. We'll get to that maybe if we got enough time. Right, he even stated that uh, uh, no one was saved between 1988 and uh, 1994, in case you're wondering. Hope that wasn't you. <laughs> what? Right? And that the church age ended in 1994. Uh, and uh, the problem is, uh, because of his lies, 
okay? And the same thing happened with the Jehovah's Witnesses. How many different times did they set dates? And when they set dates, what do they do? People sell all their possessions. They go uh, uh, dress up in white sheets on the top of a hill waiting for the return of Christ, and then it doesn't happen, and then they just lost everything, and some people kill themselves. Because you did what the Scripture says, don't you do? Nobody knows the day nor the hour, okay? And that's what it is. So he caused many people to not only lose millions and millions of dollars, but several people lost their lives because the church didn't do back in 1994 what should have been done. I ain't supporting you one second, one dime, nothing. You're on your own. But he continued to go, okay? But that's one thing, trans. Another one that the church gets into is not only trans with stuff like that, but is this one. And we talked about this before, right? It's the lost Books of the Bible. Whatever show that was. But anyway, so it's like the History Channel, right? As we talked about this before, the only problem with the lost books is they keep getting lost. And then they get recycled again. They get found. Then Christians come out and write books against why these are false. And then they lose them again for about 10 years. And then guess what? Hey, we found the lost books again. It's like, what? You guys don't even wait a generation. Are you What? But the lost books were rejected for a reason. And there's not some secret conspiracy going on. Stick to the Bible. There's a reason why they didn't make the Bible. And some of it's common sense. Let me give you an example. The Judas Gospel. Maybe they're holding something out on us, Tom. And we need to pay attention to the Judas Gospel. Well, just one little problem with that is uh, ever since 180 AD, it was rejected in 180 AD. Uh, because it made Judas the apostle who betrayed Jesus out to be some sort of a hero. So what's the scriptural rule? God doesn't lie. That certainly would contradict the scripture that we know is from God. So guess what? You go, not the Bible. That's why it was rejected. There's no conspiracy, right? The letter of Herod, the so-called letter of Herod, okay? Uh, the person forging that forgot that Herod at the time of Jesus' birth was not the same Herod as his trial and crucifixion. Oops. And one guy said, uh, get your history right if you're going to do a good bit of forgery. The Gospel of Thomas. I mean, you guys heard of that one? Ooh, that's got to have some secret knowledge that we must follow as Christians. No. Okay. It tries to give us secret details about Jesus' early years as a child and says, amongst other wild things, that, quote, as Jesus was playing, a child bumps into him and Jesus <laughs> strikes him dead. Yes, we all know that's the Jesus we know and love. Yeah. <laughs> what? It contradicts Scripture. There's no conspiracy. And I'm just giving you like one example. There's more. Acts of John. Well, it's got to be from God. It said John. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, states, quote, John. I'm not making this up. John comes into it. It's supposed to be the Apostle John. Comes into an inn, and there are bed bugs in the bed. And John commands the bed bugs to get out of the bed, and they get out of the bed and march in line out of the room. Do, 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 do. <laughs> See ya. Acts of Paul. Paul baptizes a lion, and later this lion saved him in an amphitheater. It's like this story, you know, Asa, he pulled out the thorn. It's got to be from God. No, it's not. You don't baptize animals. Jesus died for you and me, not the birds and the fleas and the trees. That's what the Bible says. The Proto-Evangelium of James. Now, that's got to be from God because I could hardly pronounce that first word. You ever met people like that? They got these big words. Oh, no. So you don't even know what you're talking about, right? But it's big words. Which was written to perpetuate the supposed perpetual virginity of Mary 
And it said that she was placed in the temple at age three and the angels fed her. What? There's no conspiracy, but Christians get on this trend. Whether it's the old date setting thing, the Harold Campy thing, and even though they're proven wrong, they still fall for it again. And then it's so lost books and it's got some secret knowledge. It, it, there's a reason why it was rejected. There's no conspiracy. Don't listen. Stick with the what? Why? Since when did the Bible? Do you even know the Bible yet? How about master that first, which is going to take your whole life, and then move on to something. But people quote this as if it's ex, thus saith the Lord. That's dangerous, right? The books were, that were accepted, okay, they had to go through a filtering process called canonicity. For those of you who hooked on a big word, okay, canon rule means the rule. What was the rule? How do, how do we know this book came from God? Number one was the author of the book, an apostle. Why is that important? Because they were with Jesus, right? You want firsthand eyewitness. Does it agree with the rest of the scripture? Why is that important? God doesn't lie, right? Uh, was it accepted by the early church? Why is that important? Because these are the guys closest to the root, right? Much closer than you and I, right? Uh, was it uh, circulated by the early church? Was it quoted by the early church? And did it come with the power of God? There's something radically different reading the book of Romans like uh, uh, Mr. Kinney is doing on Sunday mornings currently for us okay, than just reading the newspaper. Can anybody agree? <laughs> it, just, it just comes with power. Whoa! As cool as that comic section is, you don't come away with the same feeling. I don't get convicted reading Garfield. Right? <laughs> or whatever. Right? Apparently we got some Garfield fans, right? <laughs> let's just move on. Preacher's going to Midland, right? But that's that. Now, let's deal with the non-Christian Right? The non-Christian one, real quickly, and we dealt with this guy before, uh, nose hair Damas. I mean, Nostradamus. Right? And, uh, but man, this is, this is crazy. Even Christians will do this. I put this under the non-Christian category, but Christians do this too, right? You sit there and you know, hey, tonight we're going to start a new study. We're going to be talking about the Word of God, the true, holy Word of God, verified, true, accurate. God's truth is what sets us free. We're going to get equipped. We're going to become serious Christians. Chirp, 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 chirp. That's the crickets. That's crickets, right? But if somebody announces, hey, there's a special on Hitcher Channel, Nostradamus, we clear the calendar, right? Kids, get to bed. It's like, what are you, what? It's crazy. We talked about this before. His, they're called quatrains, right? Quatrain four, reading four lines. They're so stinking vague, you can put anything in there. Let me give you just a couple of quick examples, okay? Uh, see if you can, well, you don't need to guess because it's so obvious what this is. The year 1999, seven months. From the sky will come the great king of terror to resuscitate the great king of the Mongols before and after Mars reigns by good luck. Huh? Folks, right there. That's 9-11. <laughs> what? At 45 degrees, the sky will burn fire to approach the great new city. In an instant, great scattered flame will leap up when one will want to demand proof from the Normans. What? Okay, folks, that is not 9-11. First of all, 9-11 did not happen in 1999. Okay. Uh, a reference to the fire and, uh, and terror from the sky sounds like an aerial attack, people say. What? And they'll say, well, New York City is close to 45 degrees. It's actually 40. Now, again, does God get anything wrong? Does he kind of fudge a little? No. It's crazy. And then, of course, they don't mention who in the world was the great king of the Mongols and what's this got to do with the planet Mars and who on the 9-11 commission actually demanded proof from the Normans. <laughs> what? This guy was into witchcraft. 
He was into what was called scrying. That was a technique of the witchcraft, okay? And uh, that he claimed, listen, uh, that he supposedly got this inspiration uh, from astrology, divination. He claimed that an angelic spirit, i.e. a demon, helped him to understand how these things work. He used various forms of meditation, focusing on fire or water, while being under the mild influences of hallucinogens. Can I translate that? Drugs. Okay? And then it was called scrying. It was a practice which is used to concentrate on objects until visions appear. That's where he got this stuff from. And listen, believe it or not, he warned his own son, don't do what I did because it is evil. Oh, you don't show this one on the History Channel. He, quote, direct quote, he beseeched his infant son never to dabble in such practices, for he says they dry up the body, disturb the mind, send the soul to perdition. For that reason, he burned the ashes of the ancient books he learned from these techniques, and when he did, he said they burn with an unnatural brilliance. And we've talked about that example before, but listen to this one. In the place very near, far from Venus, the two greatest ones of Asia and Africa, from the Rhine and the Hister, they will be said to have come. Cries, tears of Malta, and the Ligurian side. I don't even need to say this, but you all know that's Hitler. <laughs> what? All because of Hister. They said, well, that, that's got to be Hitler. Uh, no, Hister okay, is the term used at the time uh, of Nostradamus writing this for the Danube River. It was a river. It had nothing to do with Hitler. It's, it's crazy, okay? But here's another one. Lost, found, hidden for so long a time, the pastor will be honored as a demigod. Before the moon finishes its full period, he will be dishonored by other winds. Folks, whether you realize it or not, that was a prediction for Louis Pasteur and the development of... <laughs> what? It's pastor. It's like a pastor, like I are. It's not Louis Pasteur. <laughs> what? And then people flock to this stuff. I'll give you one more. We've got to move on. Uh, near the gates and within the cities, there will be two scourges, the like of which has never seen. Famine, within plague, people put uh, out by steel, crying to the great immortal God of relief. Folks, that's Hiroshima, Nagasaki. Because what they want to say is that the, the French word there, portes, it means uh, gates or doorways, and that's how it's translated. But they say, no, that means like a port, like a, you know, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, by the ocean. And then uh, it's clearly a description of a plague and a famine that caused the death, not a nuclear attack. But this stuff sells. Can I tell you something? Stat I came across years ago blew me away. Did you know, in one stat was taken, one poll was taken, and this was more the teenagers, I think, but still, 4% of Christians, 3% of non-Christians visited a psychic within the last month. How about zero Christians? But does anybody see something weird about this? You're more. What? You've got, yeah, with his wife, Nancy, right? You've got, what? What? We're being led astray. Since when did the Bible become bad? One more again, and this was a big one, because people got caught up in this. I watched this. We were here in Sunrise. We saw it happen, and that was with the Mayan Prophecy 2012, because we saw that movie. We knew it was going to happen. Now, that did have some killer special effects, but I'm sorry. Uh, how many guys realize that movies do not determine reality, right? Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, have you ever done the, the background on these Mayan people and how they got these supposed prophecies that apparently are better than the Bible, according to some people, more accurate? It's crazy, folks. Okay. Uh, the only thing that ended uh, 
was the Mayan calendar system, okay? Because the end of the world did not come, obviously, in 2012. How many guys can verify? Get this. Ready? You're going to feel good about yourself now. How many guys can verify tonight that the world did not end in 2012? Raise your hand. That's a double hand clap, isn't it? You guys are just discerning Christians. I feel so accomplished as a pastor right now. Yeah, okay, but anyway, uh, no, it didn't happen, okay? Uh, anyway, and the, by the way, uh, these people suppose you could predict the end of the world, but why didn't you predict your own cultural extinction? Interesting. But the reason why you shouldn't listen to them, just like Nose Damas, is because they too used occult practices to get their information. They also were involved in astrology, hallucinogenic drugs to induce visions to help them supposedly speak to their dead ancestors, which the Bible calls necromancy, which Deuteronomy 18 says is an abomination to God. Okay, their culture was not only full of occult practices, but barbaric ones. They were actually a brutal, violent people who practiced human sacrifice because they believed that in order to appease the gods, they had to kill people and offer them up as a sacrifice in order to keep the sun going because they believed the sun was powered by human blood. And I'm supposed to listen to what they got to say about anything, let alone the future, than God? Than the Bible? Okay, it's crazy is what's going on out there, okay? Now, the problem with that is, it goes even further. I'm, oh, man, we're going to have to close. Next week. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I'm not skipping over this. No way, no way, right? Because this is where it gets dark, okay? Now we get, Lord willing, next week, we're going to get into this final section here and then hopefully move on. We're going to get into the paranormal. Tell me that's not increasing today. Tell me that's not increasing even in the church. Can I go meddling? You want to know what people are doing? Go to their Facebook page. What movies are you watching? What music are you listening to? Does it have to do with God? Or are you seeing, even amongst Christians, a massive interest in paranormal, occultic, demonic things? It's all over the place. And I've got actual testimonies. One guy who emailed me, I think from Louisiana, not that long ago, and he said, Pastor Billy, you got to get this out because he played with it and it attracted demons. And Lord willing, next week, I'll share that testimony uh, with you. So let's go ahead and let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? 
Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. 
there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.